I want to talk for just a moment about the boss. And when I say the boss, I'm referring to the one from Freehold, New Jersey, otherwise known as Bruce Frederick Joseph Springsteen. That's the boss I'm talking about. The boss. Any fans? I mean, we're talking about just an amazing catalog. I'm just going to list a few that maybe you know about or have heard. And for the young ones in the room, just hang on. Uh, we have to begin with Born to Run. What a song. Anybody? What a great song. Out on the streets of a runaway American dream. One of the best lines. Uh, true story about Bruce Springsteen. Uh, well, maybe not about him, but about me. I was at the doctor's office for something extremely serious. Extremely serious. And I had been sent to a specialist. They were like, you got to go to a specialist because we're out of ideas. So I go to the specialist, and he comes in, and he has the most amazing long hair. And I'm staring at him, and he says, what's up? And I was like, your hair, man. And he was like, he was like, I know. And uh, <laughs> so I pulled out my phone. I said, let me show you something. You know, I have cancer, so like, I don't have any hair anymore. For some reason, my beard grew back. I don't know what happened. But... So I pulled up this photo of me that had the exact same long hair as him. And he just looked at it and he was like, that's beautiful, man. I'm at this place, it's dead serious. And he goes, are you a Bruce fan? And I was like, absolutely. So he goes, let me show you something. And there's patients waiting in the lobby and he pulls out his phone. He was just at the show and he's like, I filmed so much of the show. And he was like down front. Cause you know, he's a specialist. He can afford these tickets. And, uh, so there we are, patients waiting, I'm in a serious situation, and we're gathered around his desk just watching footage from the Bruce show. So, uh, yeah, I got my medicine, it's all good. Uh, where am I? Oh, we're talking about songs. Atlantic City, so one of my favorite songs off the Nebraska album, the best album in my opinion. Uh, we opened with uh, Atlantic City on Easter Sunday a couple of years ago, just at my request. And, uh, but it's the chorus. I mean, maybe everything that dies some days comes back. What a great line. Thunder Road, born in the USA. Anybody? Now we're getting into the more modern. Uh, always laughed when politicians would use that song because I'm like, I don't, I don't think you know what that song's about. Um, but you go, you do you. Uh, Glory Days, love that song. I'm on fire, a little bit subtle, yeah. Dancing in the dark, anyone? Also the video where Courtney Cox made her debut on television. She dances on the stage. You gotta look that one up. Anyway, The Boss, that's what I'm talking about. 21 studio records, 20 Grammy Awards. I mean, the Beatles were around for like less than 10 years and had 20 number one hits. But Bruce... A career spanning five decades at this point. All these amazing albums. The best cover of Prince's Purple Rain I've ever seen. Performed live two days after Prince died. Five decades. Never had a number one hit. It still eludes him. And you would be surprised at how many <clears throat> really amazing bands and songwriters have never had a number one hit. Now, don't get me wrong, Springsteen is doing just fine. <laughs> Set for life. But you do wonder if he wonders about that missing piece of 
from his career. I would. And with that, I want to talk today for just a few minutes about success. We all have successes. All of us have wins. You know, you may not see yourself as a very successful person at work or in whatever arena of life, but all of us have wins where we accomplish something. And I want to talk about that just for a moment. Our gospel reading takes us into a scene where we find Jesus running, a pretty, running at a pretty successful pace. I don't know if you were paying attention, but it was like uh, his miracles, his teachings, how his followership is expanding, and mostly how his fame had been growing. I mean, this is the background of today's passage. Just before our reading in the text from last Sunday, actually, Mark writes these words, at once his fame began to spread through the surrounding region of Galilee. Jesus is becoming very well-known. He's very successful in what he's doing. And right after that, it goes back into a steady stream of more healings and more people bringing sick uh, friends and family members to Jesus. And we get to see him freeing them from those terrible situations. And, we're, uh, and we are right to imagine that his disciples, these people that he's collecting as students, they're stunned at what they're seeing. There's no question about that. And also somewhat proud, motivated by all the things that were happening. As the comedians would say, Jesus is killing it. And his disciples were courtside, seeing all of it take place. And so that shouldn't be lost on us, that there's this sense of pride building among his disciples and friends as Jesus is winning right in front of them. And then right in the middle, I just find this a very odd insertion into the story. Right in the middle of this momentum, Mark writes these words. In the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and he went to a deserted place and there he what? He prayed. Now the whole section of this part of the gospel comes to a stop. It's been very busy. Jesus is working, miracles, teachings. The fame is growing. The platform is widening. And then it just comes to a stop right in the middle of all of this. Jesus has left the building and is somewhere off in the dark praying. Now this is the first reference to prayer in Mark's gospel. It won't be the last. There are two other times in Mark's gospel where he mentions this similar behavior in Jesus, this tendency for Jesus to disappear into privacy, into the quiet, and to just pray. In Luke's count, which highlights the prayer life of Jesus way more, uh, it's more of a summary statement about who Jesus is, not so much about a particular story. He writes these words, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus has this skill that I think a lot of us wish, wish we also had, which was to escape a room of crowded people. Are you with me on that? I know it may seem like I'm a people person. I'm not. I mean, I love you. I love all of you. 
I will talk to you, but when I go home after church on Sunday, I just fall down. I'm done. I'm exhausted. You people have exhausted me. <laughs> it's, it's not easy for me to just like, some people are just born for it. They just glad hand everybody in the room and what's up and they know everybody's name. We have name tags here at the church because I don't know your names, right? <laughs> people are like, oh, I love you have name tags, such a sign of community. I'm like, it's really for me. It's really for me. Because some people have been coming here too long for me to ask what their name is, you know? I've done their weddings. I've been to their family's funerals. I don't, you know, I don't know their name. So I'm kidding just a little, but like, you know what I'm saying? For me, I get, the, I, I, I envy this part of Jesus's demeanor where he can just disappear to be in a lonely place and to pray. If you do a deep dive into the life of Jesus, these behaviors reveal really his Jewishness, especially around, around things like worship, and prayer, and how these things were central to his personal life, his communal life. Jesus is often pictured doing the things that Jewish people would do. He's in the synagogue. He's praying. You know, he's observing things. But there are also these scenes where Jesus is a, what I would call, a discretionary retreater. And his time and prayer is driven not by tradition, or by schedule, or by obligation, but it's driven from within. There's an impulse to disappear and to pray. And he also disappears quite often right when his platform seems to be widening and his influence appears to be growing. Also a frustration. Where did he go? I mean, this is in our story today. The disciples are hunting him down. Yo, everybody is looking for you. It's a frustration. I mean, let's just look at that verse. Mark says, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. The disciples are caught up in the movement. And Jesus just wanted to get away and to pray. Right as Jesus is growing in fame, he fades. Pay close attention to the stories of Jesus in the gospels. And you will find that he was often quite suspicious of his own success. A healthy suspicion. Jesus disappears as a kind of act of resistance against the shadow side of success and fame. He retreats to find grounding and to stay in touch with the presence of God. I'm always impressed by the people in this room. I really am. I wish you could know the stories of the lives of those in this church uh, like I know them. And the truly amazing things, and I don't use the word amazing a lot because I just feel like it's overused, but like the truly amazing things that people in this room have done in their work and in their lives, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. I get invited to uh, PhD defenses um, I don't know why. It's a really nice gesture, and I always go if I can do it. And uh, there were two recently that I went to uh, at Georgia Tech, and I know that you guys know me well enough to know that I was completely out of my element in that situation. And, you know, the slides are going, the the thing is being talked about, and I just have no clue. I mean, but I'm listening, and I'm just like... and. Forgive me for saying this, but there, there are some people that I would sit through these things and go, so you're smart. Like, 
I mean, I didn't think you were dumb, but like, I didn't think you were this smart, you know, that kind of thing. Just pretty wild stuff, you know. They would come up to me afterwards and be like, did you enjoy? Thanks for coming. Did you enjoy it? Totally enjoyed it. I did. Did you understand anything that was going on? Not one thing. Not one thing. So. But the stories of what people in this church have done uh, always impress me. Through art, through business. I mean, it feels like I have a meeting with somebody every week and they're just talking about what they do in business. And I'm just like, it's so impressive. Music, so many musicians in this building were so blessed. Uh, we had a guest preacher once when I was healing up from a surgery and uh, she said afterwards, she's like, I really am jealous. I'm coveting your musicians, you know. I'm like, well, you can't have them. There are people in this church that serve those with great needs in ways that are just mind-blowing. There are people that in this church that are extremely generous with their money towards organizations and uh, things that need to be done, but also towards us. I mean, I've gotten checks before that I just look at and I'm just like, this is just, this is like way too much to give back. You know what I mean? To them, not to me. So. So. That's a good joke. You totally missed it, but that's a really good, it's a good joke. But what I'm saying is that this place is filled with people who are in touch with, at some level, some success, as the world might define that term. But what inspires me the most, however, is their presence in this place, a commitment to retreat from all of that and to be here their rhythm of retreat into this outdated, kind of uncool, awkward space of faith and community. We live in a time when um, self-optimization and just going forward in life, uh, there's this hidden message and sometimes a very clear message that you can just do everything you want to do on your own. You can just be the person you want to be Nothing is stopping you. And I'm always like, well, except for this, 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 and this, you know. That's the world we live in. It's a very sort of hyper-positive um, culture. And yet there are people with great successes that still feel the need to retreat and to recenter, to remain grounded in their faith. And that's always impressive to me. You know, Epiphany is a season to see something surprising about Jesus. That's what it's built for. To come awake to something we hadn't noticed before, that we had forgotten in the wake of everyday life and struggle. And I don't know if there's anything more surprising about Jesus to me than his habit of retreating from the opportunities to rely solely on himself more than God. His habit of turning away from the winds, if only just for a little while, in order to remain grounded in faith and in life. And there's just something we can learn there. When we experience seasons of success or moments of success, we have this permission to view those accomplishments with a certain sense of suspicion. That as great as they may be, you know, 
as a parent, you know, like, I finally, I finally did it. I got my kid to do this thing, you know? Great, you'll probably fail in a week. You know, parents, anybody, amen to that? You think you nail it, you know, and you're sort of inundated with like people on social media saying, just do this and do that and do that. They feel so successful in your eyes. And then like your life is just nothing like that. But sometimes it works and it's successful. Or maybe the business you're starting or the venture that you're beginning, the degree that you're pursuing, whatever the case is, all of us will have moments of success But there's also this permission to view those things with a certain level of suspicion. To not be held by them, but to keep moving and to keep trusting God. The final words today will come from Frederick Buechner, uh, the late Presbyterian theologian. And he writes these words. I don't have it on the screen, so just enjoy it. He says, in honesty, you have to admit to a wise man that prayer is not for the wise, not for the prudent not for the sophisticated. Instead, it is for those who recognize that in the face of their deepest needs, all their wisdom is quite helpless. It is for those who are willing to persist in doing something that is both childish and crucial. Amen.